0: to the Empowering the Future of Work podcast from InTech Ideas. The world of work has changed dramatically for companies and their team members. It's almost like someone hit the fast forward button, creating a new normal for work. The challenges we're encountering are endless, but there is a better way. This podcast focuses on tips, tricks, and topics to help you to excel in this new normal. We'd love for you to join us after the show when we host discussions about each topic on LinkedIn and Twitter. Now let's get started.
1: Hi, and thanks for joining the Future of Work podcast by InTech Ideas. This is Skip Marshall, CEO and founder of InTech Ideas. And today I have with me two former colleagues. I used to work at uh, Unitrin and or Kemper, uh, different brands. Um, but today I have with me Charles Wood and Sean Crawford. Hey guys, how are you doing?
2: I'm Great, going. how are you doing?
1: So it's, it's, uh, you've got some interesting things to talk about today. We're going to talk about really security in the future of remote work. And obviously the pandemic has uh, created some unique challenges and homework has spiked and people are doing working from different places when they're used to. but. Before we jump into that, I want to have you guys uh, give us a little background. So, Charles, why don't you tell us a little about yourself first?
3: Sure. Thanks, Kip. Um, well, I've been in, in and around the uh, risk management business for most of my career, uh, and that goes back about 35 years. Um, the uh, risk side of it has been mostly uh, shifting the risk uh, through insurance products, uh, but um, uh, most recently, uh, we formed a, uh, a company and uh, brought a couple of uh, ex-military folks in uh, who have some cyber specialties, and we identified uh, an area in the, in the uh, cyber training world that we think needs to be addressed. And so uh, that's the uh, brand that uh, you mentioned earlier, um, uh, Faultline ICM. ICM is Internet Connection Management. So um, that uh, is what we're going to be talking about today. This is an app that uh, is available, uh, and we're very, very excited about some of the uh, leverage it's going to bring to the training market. Excellent. John, how about your background?
2: Sure. Uh, I've been working in the technology field for a little over 40 years now, um, network engineering, uh, IT operations, management, uh, manage various technology organizations, including cybersecurity teams. And uh, I served as a chief information officer for many years and currently uh, doing advisory work mostly for startups and small company.
1: Yeah and, and you know that's a that's a great segue because this is a this topic is a pain point for a lot of the small businesses out there in particular. You know, when when the pandemic hit, businesses by and large, were forced to go to remote, remote work. Um, many of them didn't have a lot of, of normal ways to support it and implement it, so there was a lot of challenges kind of laid out. Um, and you know, in that rush to go remote, security probably wasn't the the top of mind for many, um, although it was definitely should be, and they're 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 likely aware of it. So, what are some of the challenges that you guys um, are trying to address right now with? kind of the remote work situation that small businesses are dealing with?
3: Let me jump into that for a second. I think that what we have to do is be realistic. Um, uh, It is safe to say that virtually um, every uh, cybersecurity person, end users, eyes will roll whenever you talk about something uh, you're going to do with cyber because there is the perception that Every cyber policy and procedure is slowing them down and in, and impacting their productivity. So one of the right. things that I want to really bring to attention here is this particular application not only doesn't slow them down, it actually helps them. And so we're dealing with the psychological side of things as well as the normal kind of, uh, of worlds we, we live in. and And they... They are of the opinion uh, and we just haven't hooked in yet to the why, on why this is so important. And um, uh, so we have to look at that from a realistic standpoint and we believe that we have a product that really does do that.
1: And it's, you know, we've all worked at, at large organizations and there's generally large teams that can handle cybersecurity, technical support, help desk, et cetera. Um, you know, smaller companies don't have all those resources, right? If they're if they're lucky, they may have a couple people that are providing tech support and help desk support, but you know, they've got what they would consider bigger priorities. But you know, it doesn't really make the risks go away. Um, and those those risks, you know, continue to be showing continue to show up in the news, right? Where computers are getting hacked, and um, you know, people are getting spyware and other things installed on their machines. Um, simple things by just leaving their computers online overnight. And I think that was one of the areas where you guys really got started around this was managing that connection. So you talked about fault line ICM, that's the internet connection management piece of that was really about helping users manage that connection. Um, You know, so tell us a little bit about that and why that's important.
3: Uh, What you're speaking of there, Skip, I'm glad you mentioned that. uh, we have two type of uh, timers that we have uh, made available to the uh, user. One is a manual timer, and the manual timer can be used for a situation where they would just want to be off the internet, but they don't want to be off the computer, and they don't want to be disrupted because they've got a hot project they're working on. So they can say, "Okay, I want to be off for an hour." They can click it off for an hour; they're not disrupted. Or they can say, "I want to be off until noon." Those are nice, easy uh, settings. They're one click away to get back online if they if they need to be back online. Um, so that's the one area. But the other one is the one you're speaking of, and that is the the um, at nighttime. Uh, it may very well be that a company policy may be say, "We want you to be off the internet uh, from 10 o'clock at night until 7 o'clock in the morning." And everything's going to spool up anyway. So when you turn it back on, it's going to, it's going to uh, grab the things that uh, while you were down. So the idea there is just to shut that door. And you can do it automatically with this uh, ICM. You can do it every day of the week. You can do it at a particular day of the week. And uh, it's a simple timer. You say uh, nighttime timer uh, off at 10 o'clock p.m., on at 7 o'clock a.m. That's it. If the boss right, happens right. to call, you know, Skip happens to call Maria, you know, and says, hey, uh, you know, I need this, there's something going on. She can click it back on and and she's up and running. So it's not a matter to where she's locked out. And then when it goes uh, uh, silent for a period of time, it will kick back in and go offline. So that's the automatic uh, aspect that you're speaking of, Skip.
1: Right. Well, I, I think that's, I can tell you from personal experience, I've it, you know as as concerns come up about machines getting hacked and you know most of the time people don't worry don't worry so much about their home computers and they should but they don't really think about it all that often but the reality is when you leave your computer up and connect it overnight it's it's out there and it's available to to make connections and to communicate with uh, everything that's going on out in the world wide web and If you're like most people, if you have a laptop, a lot of times you may close your laptop lid thinking that it's going to go to sleep. Um, Well, you know, and this is the experience part. If you have an external monitor connected to that, your computer may not go to sleep. It may not stop taking connections. So simple things like that where it just shuts off your Internet connection for you uh, when you know you're not using it. You know, that would be a very, very helpful thing. Now, um, again, that's that's from the. The individual user side, businesses, you know, they perhaps aren't even thinking about this from people that are now taking their machines home and don't normally work at home, right? And, you know, we've worked with a number of, of businesses where, um, as an example, have a call center and, you know, they had to actually bring home their desktops. So it was not not that they were just bringing laptops that were used to being kind of wired and, and unwired, but so now their desktop computers are now plugged into home networks. Um, and without getting into the the you know, discussion of VPNs and other security software, it just opens up some, some challenges. Now, yeah,
2: and I'll just jump in yeah. a couple of things. So there is a study that IBM concluded back in June that talked about um, remote users, especially the, the, the folks that uh, were... Uh, just thrust back into you know working from home. So they weren't prepared for it. They hadn't been trained for it. Um, they're given a laptop or a desktop. And what they found was uh, that training by the company, even after the fact, was um, basically non-existent. So most companies, even large corporations, were not effectively training their people about cybersecurity and the risks uh, at home, let alone small and midsize companies. and most employees they found take a, a very lazy fair attitude towards security. And so they're making these right. security decisions um, based on what's the easiest thing for me to do, what's the, the thing I can do? you know a lot of them got converted some of them I, I know of a couple situations where people got converted from uh, to more of a, a monitoring of their performance, Versus being in the office and and somebody, you know, kind of overseeing, they got uh, monitored on piecework. So right. anything that uh, would impact uh, their ability to take you know certain calls or the volume of calls or whatever uh, became a big issue to them. So they would they would make decisions on security based on how it impacted their ability to perform their their job. Um, right. Not so much the risk associated with the company. So what the company didn't realize. I think they're starting to recognize it now towards the end of 2020 and end 21 is all of a sudden you've got a lot of risk managers in every single employee. So every employee ends up becoming a risk manager because they're making decisions on risk that the the corporation is going to have to live with, but is unaware of.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And you know, it's, you can't really go a week without hearing about some major data breach or stolen data. Um, and it's it's happening in in not the more common ways that you hear about, right? So you know you hear about the the Target breach a couple of years ago where their their point of sale stuff was hacked, um, and they were they were sniffing credit card information or a back office system. Now it's personal machines where data is being stolen off those machines, and now these machines going into homes and private networks where. Um, the likelihood that you may have a Wi-Fi system that still has the default password from the manufacturer installed. Um, And in fact, if I recall correctly, it was last spring, really before all this started, there was a um, a, a concern about a manufacturer, a couple versions of, I don't remember the brand off the top of my head, but it was a couple versions of a particular large manufacturer Wi-Fi system where um, was regularly had had significant vulnerabilities in their built-in security. Um, and so it just opens the door for, you know, stuff to happen. And that's, that's a, that's a major problem for
2: sure. And, and following up kind of on your, your thought about, um, you know, I think my, my laptop is turned off or my desktop is turned off. I close the lid. You know, one of the things I talked to Chuck about early on is um, you know, people that, that, live in an urban environment they they have a car they could they can park their car out on the street and they'll lock the doors but you've presented your car to every single person going by to be able to break into it they could take their car and actually put it in the garage in their condo apartment complex but they don't and take it away from everybody so just close the lid um or leaving your laptop on overnight uh just kind of gives the bad guys, the bad actors, the opportunity to to spend all night trying to break into your machine. And we've seen with uh, Anthem uh, a few years ago how a lot of hackers uh, are targeting large companies, healthcare in particular is one of the new ones um, that's been a target for a, a few years now, where they actually found the individuals that had access to the data that they wanted and they were targeting those individuals um, trying to get access into those machines, trying to get them to succumb to some, uh, phishing exploit. And, and right. unfortunately in the case of Anthem, uh, they got it and they were able to steal, um, data over the course of six or eight months or something like that.
1: Right. Yeah. It's, it is it's an ongoing problem and, and it's not going to go away. It's not going to get any better at some, at some point, um, It is, you know, the data is all going to be essentially public and figuring out how to secure and and block the data in different ways. And you think your social security number, and I know from personal experience that a lot of people that I don't want to have my social security number have it, including the the guy who decided they were going to file my taxes a few years back for me. You know, I did, I did ask my accountant if there was some way that they could actually pay my tax bill, but somehow that didn't work, but, (laughs) but, um, you know, it's, it's, this is going to be an ongoing problem. It's not going to stop. And just coming up with other ways to slow or mitigate the problem is, is important. Um, and I
2: think it's going to actually get worse because you look, you know, if you try and break into somebody's car, there's a law that they've broken and they can be prosecuted. If somebody tries to break into your machine, there's almost no risk on the person trying to break in.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, the, the chance of, of getting caught is is uh, is slim, and it's and it's interesting not about a, a capability, but because it's so frequent, nobody really puts any effort to try and track that down, and you know it's it's a a weak effort.
3: I think um, the other thing too is uh, just uh, talk about. We talked about Wi-Fi and and online, but we don't want to ignore uh, Bluetooth. Because uh, Bluetooth uh, and the Internet of Things uh, is, is something that is also now emerging. And uh, so one of the things that our system does, it also deals with the timers with regard to Bluetooth. So uh, uh, we, we don't focus on that a lot, but it's going to be, I think, an emerging problem. Uh, as people go down the chain on ransomware, and they go from large corporations to medium to small, down to individuals, and right, right. Uh, so we do have that capability.
1: Well, it's it's a that's a great point. Um, you know, it, for anybody that has an iPhone, and I remember when I first got the first notice when when an update happened, I want to say it was Facebook or one of the common apps I use, and it said X application wants to use your Bluetooth connection. I'm thinking why in the world does Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever the app want to use my Bluetooth connection? Right. So that's, that's, you know, you don't get those notifications necessarily on your laptop, but those are in your desktop, but those risks still exist for sure. Um, And, you know, yes, we're in the middle of a, of a pandemic today, but at some point we're going to be past this and get back to whether you want to call it normal or the new normal or whatever, but, you know, we'll go back to working in coffee shops and, working in other remote locations and I think this is um, you know we're not going to go back to the traditional work in a traditional office the same way we did in the past it's still you know remote work is here to stay and it's only going to continue to grow so this is not going to be something that that disappears now you guys also have something that's it's probably even even more interesting to me as a small business owner thinking about this and that's that's kind of automation around the help desk and supporting your remote workers. I think you call it Help Desk Ballet. So tell us a little bit about that.
3: Sure. Well, this is, this is really something that we're really excited about uh, because of the fact that it has a, such a strong uh, financial uh, benefit to the corporation. So you get the benefit of the financial side of improving the productivity of your help desk, but you get the benefit from the employee standpoint and the user standpoint because it makes them feel better. When they get ready to call in for a help desk situation, they're usually frustrated, they're, they're behind schedule, uh, the computer's not working right, the network's not working right, and they finally decide to call into the uh, help desk to get some help. The first thing that happens is they feel very inadequate because the questions that are asked of them, uh, in many cases, to get started with the baseline. Are uh, things that they don't normally uh, have at the top of their top of their head. So right. this particular app gets that relationship kicked off immediately on a positive note between the end user and the technicians that's talking to them. That technician asks them a couple of fundamental questions. They go to this single page, and it gives them a snapshot of virtually all the starting questions that that help desk technician needs. So it really has two benefits. It has the financial benefit of increasing the, the productivity of that technician. We mm-hmm. estimate conservatively that this will knock off a minute off of every call. And when you look at millions of calls, that becomes a very big, uh, a very big factor. But it's also the right. psychological side of it. So we're really excited about the, the, uh, the help desk uh, valet.
1: But I think going back to the earlier point we made, you know, when your organization doesn't have a lot of extra resource to help support, you know, that that solution is going to provide a lot of help in terms of automating, troubleshooting and providing that support. Um, and as you know, we really focus on a, a people first attitude for businesses. Um, and that's something we talk quite a lot about. And that's certainly something that helps, you know, m- make employees and make individuals within your organization um makes their lives a lot easier, makes supporting them a lot easier for sure. Now, Sean, you, you have a quote that I love and it was, should is not good enough. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of should going on right now as it relates to security for small businesses. Um, you know, it's, what are we seeing and kind of, what do we, what do we think the the future is for this and, and how are we going to help businesses really uh, help secure their remote workers?
2: Well, um, I th- there's a number of things. So, "should" is not good enough. Came from a lot of painful conversations I've had to have over the years, um, trying to explain why why something didn't uh, then uh, ultimately satisfy uh, the uh, requirements that we thought it would. So, um, we, you know, really the, the guts behind um, the meaning behind that statement is that there was a, a risk assessment that was made, um, that was inadequate. So it was incorrect. Mm -hmm. So we, we thought that we had created a solution or we had put in compensating controls or something in place to address a risk. And in the end, um, it, it didn't work. So we didn't assess it correctly. Uh, and we, we came up with an inadequate solution. Um, and, the problem that I see is for and, and what I ex- experience when I talk to smaller companies and startups and even a couple of midsize that I've, I've worked with recently, um, their assessment of risk is is not. Um, let's see, their 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 assessment of risk is, is not up to par. So they right. typically don't have risk assessment folks that are trained in it. Um, They don't really understand what the impact of some of the risks that they're making. Um, and so I see a lot of conversations. In fact, I get brought in more frequently, um, with the word, you know, this should have worked, you know, what went wrong? Why is it? And almost in every case it's, they didn't, they didn't assess the requirements and the risks correctly. Right. So going forward, um, I think uh, education on the trainees. I think um, Chuck brought this up once before about using tools like ICM to kind of nudge them and 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 have them uh, remember about you know security and that security is important. Um, but also, I think companies are going to have to set aside time for the employees and take into account when they look at performance measurements and that what what impacts some of the necessary. Uh, security measures have on their performance. So if you if you decide, hey, as a company, I need you to do this, I need you to be able to to do these things, there may be a slight impact on the person's performance, but you have to take that into account. Otherwise they'll never follow through on it. They're gonna look at it and say, right. well, that's really nice, but hey, you know, you just took you know X number of dollars out of my pocket by doing it. I don't see the value there. So I yeah. think that's I think the training is going to be a big part of it. I think tools like uh, like ICM to keep people remembering things and then um, subtle tools that make it easy for for employees to get help when they need it. One of the problems they run into is, you know, I know I have an issue, but talking to help desk is so painful. I don't want to do it if I don't have to. <laughs> right. Right. So, you know, we, we've all been there. Yeah. I mean, I had a big help desk at, uh, at Unitrin and it was, you know, some people just wouldn't call because. The first minute or so was so painful trying to figure out the data that the help desk person needed to try and assess the situation. So that's where I think Help Desk Valet will will help, especially for smaller companies calling into maybe a, a sourced help desk solution um, where they already have all the information. Or the information is, um, I think you mentioned with Soho, where it'll, um, it'll automatically just add it to the ticket. So they, you know, they don't even have to communicate it to the help desk person, they already have that information. So I think there's a lot of value there, but I think overall it's gonna be awareness of um, the impact of some of the security on the personnel that are out in, you know, out in their homes or in coffee shops by the company, be it large, medium, small. Smaller companies and middle-sized companies, mid-sized companies are gonna to have to get more adept at uh, security analysis. And assessments, um, they're going to have to spend some money, probably, and, and get some knowledgeable people in um, on a as-needed basis to do their assessments. Um, I just finished one with a utility company where, where we were basically rewriting all their security policies because they hadn't been updated for years, didn't need to be. Um, so I think that's part of it. Education of the employee is going to be a, a big thing as well. Yeah. And I,
1: um, I, I think it's safe to yeah. say that the, the need to update them was more in air quotes, right? They really didn't need to be, <laughs> but they should have been right. right back to your should comment, right? Right. They so should have been. It's, it's one of those things that it's, you know, business leaders can't put their head in the sand and just kind of kick the can down the road. They've got to take, take action and, and do something about it. And there's lots of great solutions out there to, to help. So Chuck and Sean, thank you so much for joining the show. Um, It was great having this conversation. I know it's going to be of interest to a lot of folks. And if you want to reach out to Chuck and Sean um, about Faultline uh, ICM or any of their solutions, or if you just want some suggestions and advice, uh, their information will all be in the show notes. So you'll be able to see and connect with them Um, and uh, find out more about security in the future of work for the remote worker. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking to you next time.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity.
0: Thanks for joining us today on the Empowering the Future of Work podcast. Don't worry if you think you've missed something. We include everything in the show notes. You can also participate in the conversation by heading over to intechideas.com and clicking on the podcast link. You'll find information on each podcast, plus links to our social media channels to continue the discussion. Finally, make sure to subscribe to the show and share it with a friend. Until next time.